Good morning, good morning. That was beautiful. I can just sit and listen to that all day, right? That's, a, that's amazing. It's September 11th or 12th. Uh, I don't know about you, but yesterday hit me sideways, right? 20 years ago. It was out of the, you know, like it was just like grieving the loss of a loved one. Um, no rhyme, no reason. It felt like it was just yesterday that we lost all those all those brothers and sisters. Um, anywho, start, start the. I, this is supposed to be like a kickoff Sunday. You know, we were supposed to have the choir back, and we were supposed to be blowing up stuff and excited. Um, but I think that's about right for this whole COVID period. That stuff was stolen from us, and it's okay to lament that, and it's okay to let that out. You know, this is a safe space, and. Um, as he was playing, I was just reminded, some Sundays it's a celebration, which I thought this Sunday was supposed to be, but I think it's more of a hospital this morning. It's more of a place where we come together and the wounded healer meets us in our wounds. And we heal one another with just our presence and we worship God in the midst of it. Is everybody okay with that this morning? Okay. Um, like I said, for the podcast listeners, it's September 12th, 2021. It's actually National Grandparents Day. So if you're a grandparent, actually, if you're in this room and you're an older person, I consider you my grandparent. And one of the best descriptions of Presbyterian Church of the Covenant is a quote from my dear friend Steve Atkins. And he said, when I first showed up, it was like a group of grandparents who loved me even though I had messed up so much. And that's, that's, that's this place, right? Thanks for loving people as they walk in the door. And I'm grateful for each of you because I my... All my grandparents are with Jesus, and uh, I, I consider that true. You guys are my grandparents, and you parents and brothers and sisters, all that rolled into one. I got a, any other announcements? Oh, patience, please. We were donated a bunch of office furniture. You may have run into a couple piles of it. Uh, it'll be dispersed throughout the campus eventually, so um, just patience. And praise God for the movie last night. I guess they were doing Tchaikovsky, 1812, and they had cannons go off, you know, fireworks and stuff like that. And I guess it went off right at the end of the movie. (laughs) Right on, right on. They can spend all the money, and we'll just bask in the glory. Anyway, um, anything else? Trunk or treat? There's a flyer in in your orders of worship. Make sure you put that on your calendar. October 30th, because I don't know about you, do you remember last year, the trunk or treat was like a breath from God, where we started to round the corner, we started to see one another, and we had been, you know, kind of on this desert of not celebrating stuff, and uh, anyway, make sure you swing by here on October 30th, I think it's going to be pretty, pretty darn amazing. Um, any other announcements? Anybody think I'm missing something? Yeah? My dad's 95th birthday on 
Dad's 95th birthday on Thursday. Ready? Say on three. Everybody say happy birthday. One, two, three. And Judy M., is she around? Wasn't it her birthday too? Everybody, if you have a cell phone and it's on, text Judy M., happy birthday. And then turn off your cell phone. You, this is the house of the Lord. Gotcha. Burned you, Jeff, right? I don't even have my phone. These are those pockets. These are one of those pockets that you can't wear a lot of stuff in them. Make sure you, let's don't wink at each other. We learned that lesson. That's creepy. Uh, but make sure you look at somebody in the eye right now. Let's just as let's downshift as we enter into worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. And I'm going to call us to worship. Please rise to your feet. And our call to worship comes from Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation. God's splendor is a tale that is told written in the stars. Space itself speaks his story through the marvels of the heavens. His truth is on tour in the starry vault of the sky, showing his skill in creation's craftsmanship. Each day gushes out its message to the next, night by night whispering its knowledge to everyone. Let's worship the Lord.
with so few children today in attendance, I will not uh, ask them to join me here. I will save our message for today for next Sunday and use this time to um, first thank everyone who came out last night. Um, It was a small group, but we had fun. Um, Thank you to Simon and Mark for helping us with technical difficulties, and thank you um, for our firework show, Dusty, um, because it was a great ending to the evening. Um, If it wasn't for our glitches, we would have missed the firework show, so everything came together and worked out perfectly. Um, I also want to just take your attention to the flyer that's in your bulletin for Trunk or Treat um, and ask that you prayerfully consider either decorating a trunk um, and this could be something that's really easily done. Um, Rob and I have just taken things from the house. Um, If you're a huge major sports fan, throw some memorabilia in your trunk and now you have a sports theme. Um, You can go to the dollar store, um, make it a birthday party theme. Um, It's really, really simple. And what it does is it creates an extra trunk for that child to go to and uh, get a treat from. Candy's usually provided. um, So it's just your car, your trunk, and your smile. Um, And that's all we really need. Um, And then on another note, in children's, we are in need of more volunteers, um, whether teaching in Sunday school or on our committee. So again, prayerfully consider either of those opportunities. Um, We do also need help in the nursery. Uh, Right now, we don't have, I mean, Everly's probably our only nursery age, but we do need to have volunteers in there should a Sunday come where we have a visitor um, that can kind of step in and help in there. So prayerfully consider all of these volunteer opportunities, and if any of them speak to you, just let me know. Um, All trunk or treat signups Uh, are going to be in the fellowship hall after service today. Thank you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Trusting in God's grace, let us now together confess our sin. Merciful God, In your gracious presence, we confess our sin and the sin of the world. Although Christ is among us as our peace, we are a people divided against ourselves as we cling to the values of a broken world. The profit and pleasures we pursue lay waste the land and pollute the seas. The fears and jealousies that we harbor sent neighbor against neighbor and nation against nation. We abuse your good gifts of imagination and freedom of intellect and reason and turn them into bonds of oppression. Lord, have mercy upon us. Heal and forgive us. Set us free to serve you in the world as agents of your reconciling love in Jesus Christ. Amen. God did not send his Son to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so I can say, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Please stand.
Oh 
worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing a new song to Him who sits on heaven's mercy seat.
Amen. Is this thing on yet? Yep. Huh. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, back to the basics. Actually, that's our next series. We're going to be in Romans, uh, except for a couple, because we've got World Communion and we have Reformation Sunday. But all those other Sundays, we're going to be studying the book of Romans. And um, have you ever studied Romans before? No. It's a, it's, it's, yeah, there's a lot there. I think the, uh, there's so much, almost too much there. Uh, Romans written by Paul, actually it wasn't written by Paul. It was written by Tertius. We find that out in chapter 16, verse 22. But Paul is dictating it to this guy named Tertius. So Paul is basically the author, but it's in Tertius's uh, handwriting. There's a, there's, a, there's a trivial pursuit question or like a gathering around the table and you want to stump your neighbor, friend. Who wrote Paul? Oh, who wrote Paul? <laughs> that's, that's silly. Who wrote Romans? Tertius, Yes. That's kind of fun. It's going, to be, it's going to be fun to go into heaven and all these people that wrote this stuff. I don't know. It's, I think Tertius is probably in some corner somewhere going, hey, how come Paul is such a big, you know, I kind of wrote this thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, no, anyway. Um, just thoughts from a crazy person. Um, who's it written to? It's in the title. Rome. He says in verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, to all God's beloved in Rome. So it's a love letter. It's a love letter from God through Paul written by Tertius. Do you know you're loved by God? Yes or no? Good. Then knowing's half the battle. We gotta, we're already halfway there. Um, Romans is unlike any other thing in the New Testament, any other literature, in that it's not really a narrative. It's and different theologians, different scholars focus on different kind of aspects of it. It's a theology book. It's Christianity 101. It's God, through Paul, equipping the church um, of Rome and ultimately the church, capital C, of all time, of what, who Jesus was, what the cross was all about. This book is foundational. This book is informational. I, I, I'm going to try and find all these things that rhyme. Just kidding. Uh, but that song we just sing, there were several quotes that from this book, with all creation, I sing. That's from the second chapter of Romans, where Paul talks about general revelation, about how God is revealed in his creation. 
There's general revelation, which is everywhere, and no one's exempt from knowing that God exists. In that, if you see a tree, you should ask the question, where's the tree maker? You see an ocean, where's the ocean maker? If you see the person to your right and to your left, who made them so beautiful? Who made them the way that they are? What's the answer? God, right? That's general revelation. Then specific revelation is God revealed in his son, one and only son, Jesus the Christ. And we get that straight from this book. Romans gives us the language in which to talk about what and who Jesus is. And he starts with, it's a love letter, and then he talks about almost immediately about sin and how we're broken and how we're a mess. Um, when I hear that phrase, I, I hear my mom's voice. I hear my mom, because my mom passed away in 2003, pancreatic cancer. But one of the common things that were going through my, that is my story, is I would make a mess of things. <laughs> Have you met me? Right? I make a mess of things. I kind of, I kind of stir up trouble. I'm kind of annoying to most people. And I would get into these jams, and I would get all kinds of trouble. I remember I was about to flunk out of Biola University, and I remember her pulling up in the van again, the Volkswagen van again. Anybody drive a van again ever? I remember her coming around the corner at the Horton Hall. That's where I was living, and I just gotten the word that I was going to have to do another year at. Uh, at Biola just because I had that I was about to flunk out of the school and flunk the second year Greek I've already told that story everybody remember that story okay good she comes around the corner and I remember I just started bawling I see her face and I remember her saying Jason you're a mess and she just grabbed my jabbed me and just wrapped her arms around me and there was just love you know and I think that's the heart behind Paul's opening. That's the heart behind this text. And don't get me wrong, Romans was written to a place and to a people that are equally as messed up as the people in here. And equally as messed up as the world is right now. It was crazy. Afghanistan starts happening. I was in Israel two years ago for the first time, right down the street from Afghanistan. Then the hurricane, Mississippi. I was, in, I was there for cleanup after Hurricane Katrina. And I was there with Randy Spear a few years later. Haiti. I was in Haiti back-to-back two years. I went to the city Soleil, which is the poorest barrio in the Western Hemisphere. They were hit by that hurricane, too. And all I've been hearing, and as I look at the news, is we're a mess. This place is breaking at every seam. 
And Paul is writing to a similar context. If you mention you're a Christian, they'll kill you. Political people think they're gods and demand them th- that you worship them. And Paul addresses the issue not by getting down in the dirt, but actually by talking about God, by doing theology. What's at the heart of all this? This place is a mess. We're a mess. We're, how do we get out of this? This is real. This is pragmatic. This is truth. Enough of me yelling at you. <laughs> Let's get to some scripture. Paul will yell at you a little bit. And then I'll come back and I'll yell at you some more and then we'll go home. <laughs> Paul, chapter 3, verse 9. I'm going to read 9 through 20. What then? Are we any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, panta, all, both Jews and Greeks, are under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, no one who is righteous, not even one. There is no one who has understanding. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. There is no one who shows kindness. There is not even one. Their throats are open graves. They, have their, they use their tongues to deceive. The venom of vipers is under their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery are in their paths. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced, and the world, the whole world, may be held accountable to God, for no human being will be justified in his sight by deeds, prescribed prescribed by the law, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. This is the word of the Lord. Like I said, he's yelling at us, right? First part, first couple verses, verse 9, actually. But what about verses 3, 1 through 2? If you have a Bible, open it back up and look at 3, verses 1 and 2. I'll read it for you, just in case you can't get there. Then what advantage has the Jew, or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. Doesn't that contradict? Doesn't that seemingly contradict? He says there's, there's a lot of advantages to being Jewish. But then later in, this, in verse 9 of this section that we're reading, just eight verses later, he's saying there's no advantage to being Jewish. What's the discrepancy? You said four. Yeah, we're getting there, Malia. I'll, I'll throw you under the bus later. But <laughs> she's, she's, always, she's a part of it. It's awesome. It's, um, I looked at, at commentaries because that's a good thing to do. That's a good idea. If anybody has a study Bible, I highly recommend it. If you don't have one, I recommend them because they explain these types of things. This guy, F.F. Bruce, says, Much in every way has references to privileges which the Jews, as the elect nation, enjoyed. 
where he starts off the chapter and he's talking about the privileges of being God's, hey, I pick you guys first. But he's ending the chapter by saying, but no, not at all, relates to their standing before God. Privileges or no privileges, Jews and Gentiles stand equally in need of grace. Amen? And then in verse 9 also, he says in verse 9, for we are under, under the power of sin. Amongst the mess, this verse points to the problem. This verse points to the problem behind it all. Before you can fix anything, you've got to have a diagnosis, and you have to have the right diagnosis, right? How many people have ever been in pain, and you don't know where it's coming from or why it's happening, and that's the most frustrating part about it? Raise your hand. Me too. Marsha hasn't. That's okay. <laughs> The problem behind the mess isn't President Biden. The problem behind the mess isn't this coronavirus. The problem behind the mess isn't these natural disasters. The problem behind the mess is not that we sin. It's deeper than that. I wish it was a quick fix, right? We could come back in, we could come in here every week and I say, stop sinning. And you guys walk out and you go be perfect people, right? That's a quick fix. What's the problem with that? We're all under sin. Under. We have a problem that goes deeper than behavior, it goes to heart. The problem is sin, we're all addicted to it. In our hearts, we are under it. We are all slaves to it. That's what he says in Galatians 3.22. He says the whole world is enslaved under sin. Sin is our master. Why? Adam and Eve. Also, have looked to your right and to your left and then look in the mirror. That's why. <laughs> We're under sin. We have this, we have this, and he brings it back up in chapter seven, where we have this, this heart issue that needs to be addressed. Sorry, it's getting depressing in here, but it's going to have some hope eventually. Hold on a second. What's the next section? So we're, we got this problem, and it's bigger. It's not a quick fix. It runs deeper than behavior. It's by nature we're addicted to sin. And then he quotes verses 10 through 18. He quotes six Old Testament texts. Psalms 
in Isaiah, mainly Psalms. And what's the premise of these texts? We're a mess. We got sin. It's in our nature. Have you ever seen As Good As It Gets, the movie with Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt? Remember Jack Nicholson is getting dating advice from his friend, a guy played by Greg Kinnear, and Greg Kinnear is giving him all this dating advice, and Jack Nicholson turns and says, I'm drowning, and you're describing the water. That's what Paul does. He's like, we're drowning. We got this problem of sin. And then he dumps on the water. And where does he go for the water? The Old Testament. Where did Jesus go when he was tempted by by the evil one, Satan? Scripture. There's your first little application. If you want truth, get into this book. Remember my first year, it seemed like that was an application every week. How are you doing on that? Are you reading your Bibles? Did you read your Bible any more this year than last year? Good. I heard a couple yeses. I want to do a backhand spring, but I can't. (laughs) Because of sin. But that's another... No, I'm just kidding. Um, He quotes like Jesus. There's a problem in these quotes too, though. In all the quotes, what's happening... Actually, the psalmist and Isaiah isn't describing Jewish people. They're all describing Gentiles. They're all describing us. Why is Paul applying this text to the people of God? Why? Turn to your neighbor. Why do you think he's doing it? (laughs) Yes, because they think they're perfect. And I think he does it because there's several reasons. But uh, I think one of the major ones is the reason I'm here this morning saying the same exact message. That deep-rootedness of sin running through each of us, I think it, it actually has roots. It has roots in idolatry. And it has I, roots in the idolatry of ourselves. The moment we, we realize that God has forgiven us, Sin rears its ugly head and, and, and says, oh, you're forgiven. That's because something you did. I think he's, he's pointing out the understanding that although those authors were specifically, usually, they were, they were talking about Gentiles, Solomon summed it up really well in uh, chapter 7, verse 20. When he says, not one person, Jew or Gentile, is without sin. 
It's always been there. Those people were all, the, the, the Old Testament authors were mainly in context talking about Gentiles. But underneath it all, they were guilty of what they were proclaiming the Gentiles to be guilty of too. Another reason, and N.T. Wright, uh, the scholar, and this is where I bring up Malia again, and my wife, uh, see that if you're a person of God, if you're a Hebrew, if you're a Jewish person, he's actually playing back on verse 3 or 4. Let me see which one I, I wrote it down here. 3. No, 4. <laughs> Three, four. Read, read, read. Anybody got a Bible? Read verse four. Somebody read verse four. Loud. Did you hear that? N.T. Wright and my wife heard that as they were reading and they were hearing those Old Testament quotes. Cranfield, the guy says that this is actually just a poetic outpouring of linking the Jews to the God that was behind that judgment, knowing that verse 21 was coming around the corner. Have you seen a movie twice? Have you ever seen one of those movies that you know the, the secret and the person to your right and to your left don't? I'm the worst in that predicament. <laughs> don't ever invite me to a movie that I've seen and there's a spoil. Because I love spoiling it. <laughs> and it's just something weird. Like I said, I'm messed up. But like uh, when Paul is listing these Old Testament quotes, the Jews are simultaneously hearing the fact that they are being pushed under this, under this law of sin and death. And they're simultaneously hearing, but I know the God that's behind this. And that God never, ever, ever leaves the sinner sinful. That God always shows up around the corner and picks up the dirty person and lifts them out of the mire and washes them clean. That's just the character of God. That's, that's the beauty. That even in his judgment, he is holy and he's just and he's merciful. It undergirds it all. And then he sums up his whole point that we're a mess, and he ends it in a courtroom scene. And he uses courtroom language of that day. When somebody was guilty, often there would be a, like a bailiff or like a person of the court that would walk over, and if they were speaking, they would cover their mouths. Paul brings that up and he says, every Jew, every Gentile, you end your life, you're in the courtroom of God. And God, if you're clinging to your deeds, God's going to send a bailiff, cover up your face and say, shut your mouth. 
You have no, no leg to stand on in my room with your deeds as your defense. And then he says, because your eyes, you're the, they're the windows to your soul, and I can see straight to your soul, and what is in your soul is dirty and messy and gross. And if you want to cling to the law, it's not going to get you there. A few weeks ago, cruising down PCH, and they closed PCH because of this huge accident. They send you up on the bluff by Hogue. You know what I'm talking about? We're just trying to get home. <laughs> the Griffiths family just wants to get home in their minivan. We start mapping. And we start going like back country. You know, we're like, we're about to drive on sidewalks. Because everybody's going, everybody driving south on PCH is now driving past Hogue and down Placentia. You know that street? We're trying to get, we go left, and we're just trying to get over the river. We're trying to get to Brookhurst and get over. Have you ever been in this predicament? Anyone? Can you do it? No, you can't. You can't by going left. You can by going right. But the maps tells you to go left. And you're doing this maze, and I'm like, go left in 13 centimeters. Go, go. And we're just doing this thing, and there's all these people following everybody. Everybody's going like 60. And praise God, there's no children on these streets. But we get to this one, and it's not a street. It says it's a street on the map, but then you get, and there's three pillars. And you're like, there it is. <laughs> there's my freedom. Paul is saying... If you want to be a moral person and impress God with your actions and you want to become righteous and deserve being in his presence, you can try every street there is. And we've tried them, right? People that try alcohol. People that try... Um, buying stuff. There's people that try being popular. They try, you name it. What are some things that you've tried? I've tried to be righteous. I've tried to do the right thing. You know where it gets you? Nowhere fast, and it gets you weary, and it gets you tired. And Paul says, that's because this isn't the way. What is the law good for? And he flips it right at the end and he says, the law is good for one thing, for showing you that this isn't the way. And for showing you and revealing that truth that we have this deep down problem of sin. How do I apply any of this? Well, there's comfort in the truth in right to the left. Look at, look at everybody. Try and lock his eyes with as many people as possible. We are all broken. Isn't that comforting? We're messed up. We've gotten ourselves in a mess, and we have this deep nature of being in a mess. 
Also, we, like one commentator, a woman named Lancaster, she said, and we've created systems of mess. A little bit, a little bit later, um, we're going to sing, Take Thy Hand, right? Isn't that what you're singing, Brian Sitch? What are you singing? Precious Lord, take my hand. That was Martin Luther King Jr.'s favorite song. I didn't know that until there's something. I, anyway, I want, this is a different sermon. I want, I'm going to get back on that, but somebody, somebody asked me about Summer of Soul after the service, but it, it kind of fits in here, but I don't want to make it a part of this. Um, so, first application we're all broken. Say, I'm broken. If we really mean that, we're miles ahead of of most people. We're broken. You really impressed me with saying that. Um, another impre- another uh, application. Read some scripture for truth. Turn off the news. Forget reading the paper. Find out what the real problem is and then come back next week and I'll give you the real solution too. Because this, I'm, I, it's not hidden. It's not secret. What's the, what's the solution? Starts with a G, ends with a race. race. Malia's faster than all of you. <laughs> Pachi said, I told her. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, Pachi's closer, closer to the Lord. <laughs> but that, look at 21. Look at verse 21. And I won't save it for next week because we'll, we're going to keep going, but we're going to read 21 next week and keep going. My Bible's open to Mark for some reason. Okay. But now, apart from the law, righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through what? Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Come back next week and we'll keep going on that. Um, Anybody got any questions or thoughts? Because there's a lot in here. And if you do, ask Sharon. (laughs) Just messed it. Let's sit and sing this one. And it, this, is, this is what verse 21 kind of, this is the launching pad for next week. What a friend we have. Let's, let's, let's sit and sing this one in response to that sermon.
continue in worship. Now it's part of the service where we respond to verse 21, where God has blessed us so richly with his grace. We give back out of just a portion of that which he's blessed us with. For those that listen on the podcast, please send your tithes and offerings to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, P.O. Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And for those of us here in the sanctuary, please leave your tithes and offerings in the back in the offering plate. This morning's offering is now received.
be seated. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, 20 years ago today, it was the day after. Most of us were still in shock. We were grieving. We were binging news programs and praying for the rescue of those trapped by the debris. We were angry that perpetrators had breached the safety of our country. And we reluctantly realized that the world would never be the same again. This world can feel scary and uncertain yesterday, today, and even tomorrow. And you remind us that this world is not our home. Turn our eyes toward heaven and an eternity to be spent in your presence. Father, we pray for those today who lost loved ones 20 years ago on 9-11. May they feel your presence and mercy with them all the days of their lives. We pray for the city of New York and the bystanders whose lives were irrevocably changed that bright September day. May your grace overflow. Merciful Lord, we pray against the invader virus that once again has breached the safety of our country and indeed breached the safety of our world. Neighbor is pitted against neighbor. Mask, don't mask. Vax, don't vax. Fully reopen, cautiously reopen, close. We are divided and divisive. Lord, we humble ourselves and we pray. Lord, turn us from our wicked and misguided ways. We pray for your healing. Protect our healers. Heal our bodies. Heal our relationships. Heal our land, we humbly pray. Our ever-present help, we lift up and continue to pray for those affected by Hurricane Ida, some with homes still underwater. We pray for the waters to recede and for help to come quickly. Prompt neighbor to help neighbor, keep each safe, and provide for all their needs. We continue to pray for the healing, restoration, and protection for Haiti and its people. We continue to pray for the people of Afghanistan, for their protection. May your mercy and grace pour over that country. Lord Jesus, right here in our midst, we have so many in need of you. We pray for your healing touch on all of our flock constricted with COVID. Put your hand of safety and protection on those caring for the ill. We pray for your continuing healing touch on Patrick Thompson as he recovers from COVID. We pray, too, for all those waiting for confirmed diagnoses and treatment plans. Comfort and heal those who wait on you, Lord. 
We pray for those preparing for surgery, including Patty Ernest and Patty's son-in-law's brother, Pete. Give wisdom to their medical team and comfort to their soul. And we pray for your healing touch on those who have recently had surgery, including Doreen Araki. Father, we know that your heart breaks with ours at the news that Tom Dykusen passed away this week from COVID. Tom was a vital member of staff at Los Ranchos Presbytery and a friend to many here. We pray for his family and for the Presbytery as they grieve his passing. Comfort them in their need. We continue worshiping you as we join with our Christian brothers and sisters across the globe, praying as you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please rise for our closing hymn. remember when I opened the sermon of the story about my mom holding me and saying, you're a mess? 
my shoes untied, or that was my benediction. Tell me, I was weird. Everybody, a couple people were pointing at my feet. <laughs> I want you to receive this word that that was preached earlier. In the arms of our Father, our Heavenly Father, or in the arms of Paul, like this is out of a deep, deep love for you that we find out that we're a mess. And both the arms that are holding us as we hear that we're a mess, the same arms that are going to heal us. And thanks for showing up this morning. I don't know about you, but just being amongst a bunch of wounded healers was what what I needed today. So uh, thanks for showing up. And thanks for listening on the podcast. Philip really doesn't like when I whisper. Sorry, I'm whispering. Let me. This is a benediction. Um, as I was coming up with this sermon series, I got a letter from Kathy Rasmussen. Everybody remember her? Yeah. Uh, and she gave me this as a, as a benediction. I'm going to pass it on, and we're going to be using it as the benediction for this whole Roman series. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May it be so. Amen.